Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. You don't need to hear from a little old lady. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit. But I am praying that he will drop in your spirit today exactly what you need. Exactly what you need. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we come, Lord, with open hearts. Lord, would you just shine the torchlight of heaven into our heart? We give you full permission to show us anything, Lord, that you want to move, dislodge, you don't like, you don't want, whatever it is, we want it out. Father, we thank you that you're a good, faithful, loving, kind Father. And Lord, you want to take us from glory to glory and strength to strength. So we want to partner with you today, Holy Spirit. We do not want to just um, hear a message. We want an impartation from your Spirit today. Father, we want to go out of here changed, knowing that we've met you. So we thank you, Father. We thank you that it'll be done according to our faith. And we believe that that's what you're going to do today. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've just come off with you for the first time in six and a half years. All I've got four kids, you know, all in ministry. And um, they all came home for a family wedding. So my son, who's overseas, came home and I had my 11 grandchildren all together for the first time. Some of them they'd never met. All the ones under six and a half had never met. Well, seven actually. And um, all the little ones, so there's eight of them under seven, wanted to go to the zoo. But I thought, nah, I can't take them all because the animals would be terrified because they're very, they're not those sort of kids that just sit quietly. Then we don't have any of them. We don't know how to produce them. Uh, So, but when I have taken them to the zoo, the thing that they most want is the lions, particularly the boys, but they want to hear the roar. And so it got me thinking because the roar of the lion sends fear into every animal in the jungle. It really does. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it is really intimidating and scary. And that's exactly what it's meant to do. It's meant to intimidate and put fear into the lion's prey. That's exactly what it's there to do. And there's another character in Scripture that is actually described as a roaring lion. And I want to spring off this Scripture today. So I'm reading from 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. Now, if there is ever a time in our life, in, our, in history, right, where Satan is having a field day roaring, it is now. It is through social media. It is absolutely, honestly, it's in the spiritual atmosphere over our nation. And I had a look at the statistics and 3.3 million Australians are recorded to suffer from fear and anxiety. of children aged between 12 and 17 have been reported to experience extreme fear and anxiety. Now, it's the number one mental health problem in Australia, fear and anxiety, and that's only the recorded cases. That's only people that have actually presented with those issues. Can you imagine how many others there must be? It must be over 25% of this nation, if not more. And the world has no answers to it. It does not have the answer to this, except to medicate and medicate and keep medicating. And as I said to the group this morning, I don't want anyone here to hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I was a psychologist before I was ever a pastor. And I understand that all good things come from God. And if you are on any medication now that helps you deal with anxiety and fear, there is absolutely no judgment, none whatsoever, because all good things come from God. And if he uses that to help you, then so be it. And that is a great thing, right? But what I'm saying is the world has nothing, 
It has nothing except to medicate and medicate and medicate. And still people are in fear. Right? They are still struggling with fear. And it is just like a landslide. I looked at the American statistics and they're even worse. It is such a tsunami of fear and it's coming from a roar. It's coming from a roar. And you see, Satan doesn't start out, his greatest weapon over us is this roar. But it doesn't start out like that. It starts out as a whisper. And it goes something like this. You know, you hear the interest rates are going up and there's a whisper that says, hmm, if they go up, they're going to go up. What are you going to do? How, you're not going to be able to pay them. You'll lose your house. You know you're going to lose your house. What are you going to do then? And I don't know that your job's secure either. You know. And if you start to partner with that, it starts to build fear into you. So then every time you hear anything about an interest rate, you go to that place of fear. Why? Because you listen to the whisper in the first place. You put faith in that whisper and that's how the enemy comes to try and control us. Fear causes us to feel panic, to feel paralysed, to feel intimidated. You start to do and say things that are just not you. You start to control everyone around you and all your circumstances because you feel so out of control. You feel completely muzzled. You can't speak. You run from the things that you should be facing because you just can't face them. Or you're completely paralysed. You just can't move forward. You can't move back. You just can't be the person that God's created you to be, right? And everyone in this room, I think at some stage has struggled with fear. Amen? And I think that's why in his word, you know, the most given command in all of scripture is what? Fear not. 365 times. Fear not. Coupled with the most given promise in the Bible, I am with you. God knew that we needed to hear it. I am with you. Fear not, fear not, because it's everywhere. It is everywhere around you. You know, there's just so many opportunities if we tune in to the wrong voice. And today I want to speak about this roar that we've got to silence. So I started to, my friend Google and I, we had a look at how um, lions actually hunt. And I found out, which didn't surprise me, that the female lioness does most of the work. Every woman, every woman in this room knows that, all right? What they do, though, because they're more agile, they don't have the big mane, whatever, they're actually at the back with the pack. But the big old huge lion with the huge mane comes up to the front of the poor little deer and just lets out this almighty roar. And the... the, the Paul Deere gets so intimidated, he turns and runs the other way, straight into the pack, and they kill him. They just take him out. What he should have done is actually run to the roar because that the deeper and louder the roar is, it shows that the, the lion is actually older. The older, slower, more mature lions have the biggest roar. Right, if he had have run through that, right, he probably would have got away because there was one of them and the pack is all behind him. But what happened is they turn and run the other way, and that's exactly what we do. We become intimidated by the roar, by the roar, and then we run to the opposite direction. You know, and if you run from what God wants you to do, what God wants you to face. If you run from that, it is death to your life that God wants you to have. He wants you to succeed way more than you ever could imagine. That's his heart. That's what he wants. You know, I, I started to look at this and I realised that if we don't face our fears, they are there forever with you. They're at the next job. They're at, the, you know, you can run from job to job. You can run from church to church. You can have relationship after relationship. The same fear just follows you the whole time, the whole time. And the fears that we don't fight and kill, our kids have to. 
And I don't know about you, I don't want my kids or my grandchildren to have to fight any of that. I want to kill it off so that they've got a free run. Amen? Amen. You know, and I was thinking also of David and Goliath, which, you know, one of my, my grandsons, it's his very favourite story, he loves it. I am so sick of that story. I read it about 500 times, you know, non-stop. But I started to think about it. And I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's, we forget David's a young boy, right? He's facing this massive giant that has a reputation of taking everyone out. That must have been terrifying for him. But what did he do? He ran to the roar and he defeated that giant and that forever defined and changed his destiny. That one victory changed David's destiny. And I'm here prophetically to say to many of you, you've got to fight that fear. And we've got to go through some of them today so you know, because it will forever change the course and the direction of your destiny. And it's time to say no more. I'm not going to bow to that lion any longer because I am is with you. I am is with you. You know, and I feel to speak to some of you that are um, online today. And I feel like saying, I know why you're not at church. Fear has gripped you. You struggle. Some of you actually struggle to leave home. You don't like it. It's hard. But I feel today is your day of breakthrough. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to come in and touch you today. And we're going to hear of that. But let's have a look at some of the fears. What are the fears that are facing you right now? What are they? What about fear of not having enough? You know, worried about finances all the time. You know, you just... As I said, that example I gave about the interest rates or, you know, you just always have this fear in you of just not having enough. Maybe you're facing massive debt. And, and you know, as I said to the, the group this morning, it, fear is not about um, denying facts. It's actually about putting our faith in truth more than fact. The truth of God's Word will change fact. I've seen it over and over and over again. But you can have fear of not having enough. And there are endless scriptures that you've got to start to put your, a demand on, start to really pour into them. And one of them is one of my favourites in Psalm 37, 25, which says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. But how, what do you do, how do you deal with that fear of finance, of not having enough? You run to the raw, you give, you give, you give, you give. It is a biblical principle. You run to the raw. You do the opposite of what the enemy is telling you to do. Does it make sense? No. Does it make sense that a deer should run before an old growly lion? No. But run to the raw and you will see breakthrough. Run to the raw. What about fear of what others think? And this is epidemic proportion. It stifles us. It stops us from witnessing. It stops us from stepping out. It stops us from speaking. Right? What are they going to think of me? They'll think I'm an idiot. They'll think I'm hopeless. They'll think, you know, they'll reject me, whatever. I'll get the sack, whatever it is. Fear of what other people think. You know, you know what you've got to do? You've got to do exactly the opposite of what the enemy's telling you to. And as I said to the group this morning, today, if it's, you know, I can't witness, I think I'm crazy, maybe they will, but do it anyway. Just do it because you've got to kill this fear and run to the raw. And you know what? They could get saved. They could actually get saved. I had that very same situation in my own life. And I did such a bad job at witnessing that actually I used to take all this neighbour's kids to Sunday school with me. She let me take all her six kids to church. After me witnessing to her, she decided I wasn't allowed to take them. But do you know, four years later, she got an incurable disease and the only person that she would allow in the hospital was my husband and I, and we led her to the Lord. We led her to the Lord. Run to the raw, fear of confrontation. Have the decision, have the conversation. Have that honest conversation that you know you've got to have. What about fear of letting people down? That was a huge one for me. 
And you know what set me free? Because I'd never wanted to let anyone down. So I'd say yes, whether or not I could do it or not. And then I'd turn everyone else, including my entire family, upside down to be able to not let someone else down. Until the Holy Spirit spoke these little words to me. Right, when you say yes to them, you're saying no to me. When you say yes to them, you're saying no to me. And that's forever changed my life. So now it's like, Holy Spirit, do you want me to do it? Do you really want me to do it? And if I hear a no, that's it. Because saying yes to someone else, if it means saying no to Jesus, is not an option. Like, you know, what about, you know, your fear of letting your kids down? They want money. You know you shouldn't give it to them, but you give it to them anyway because you're fearful that, you know, they, they need it. They're not going to manage whatever it is. You're buying into the fear of the raw. But what are you doing? You're enabling them. You've got to run to the raw and do the opposite, absolutely the opposite. Fear of failure, fear of making a mistake, not wanting to go there. You know, I was hurt in a relationship. I don't want to put myself out there anymore. I failed in business. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, you've got to get in the spirit what God wants you to do and do it. And I have found that success is, the pathway to success is a whole lot of small failures along the way. And that's where you learn. I've learned more from my failures than I ever have from my successes. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, if you ask Him about it, if you let Him teach you through it, You've got to run to the roar and don't let the enemy sabotage your destiny because you are listening to a lion that is just roaring. That's it. No more. No more. Fear of not measuring up. As I said to them this morning, measuring up to what? What are you measuring, trying to measure up to? My Bible says when I am weak, he is strong. That sounds like a good deal to me. You know, when I, his, his strength is perfected when I'm at my absolute weakest. That's a much better deal than me trying to measure up to something I don't even, I can't measure up to. Fear of dealing with our past. Now, can I just say this is a huge one. And I understand this fear because I've ministered for over 40 years now. I was a psychologist before I was ever a pastor. And I know that that fear is this, and often it's this. And can I just say to you men in the room, there's more men that push this aside and keep soldiering on because somehow they feel culturally this is what they they should do. But no, you've got to face it. You know, my own son had a horrible, he's a pastor in the States, but he had a terribly, terribly painful marriage breakdown and really nearly took him out. It was just terrible. And we went over there to help him and to minister to him and to be with him and and the children. And he said to me, because I had this conversation with him, Mum, I can't because I'm fearful that if I open up all this, I won't be able to cope and I won't be able to look after the children. That's the lie of the raw. The lie is if I open up this up, I'll be done. I'll be done. I won't be able to cope. No, you'll be cleansed. You'll be free. There'll be no bomb left to go off in the plane when God takes you to another height in the spirit. You've got to deal with that stuff. You've got to say, you know what? I'm going to take the time out. I'm going to um, let everything that is not right because of that abuse, because of that failure, because of that hurt, because of the shame I know is there. Right, ask the Holy Spirit to show you your heart and he will do just that. But let's deal with it, all right, and run to the raw. Fear of sickness, fear of being rejected, so you reject. And as I said, you know, with sickness, it's not denying the facts. I know numbers of you, you know, have have illnesses that they're factual. But what I'm saying, as I said before, it's just not listening to the enemy's roar and the enemy's lie that that's incurable. There's no hope there. You're going to die. You're going to be in pain. You're finished. It's over. Don't you understand what cancer is? Go to hell, Satan. Cancer has a small C. It was defeated at the cross of Calvary. I will not bow to it. I just will not bow to it. And, and I'm fighting with a very close friend at the moment who, um, you know, has got a diagnosis of cancer. But as I said, truth can supersede fact because I've seen God do it over and over again. But let's look at 2 Timothy 1, 7, because I think this gives us the answer that we need. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of his power of love and a sound mind. So firstly, when we read that scripture, we realise that fear is what? A spirit. This is not me being super spiritual. This is Bible. All right? Fear is a spirit. There is a spiritual battle raging and you've got to be aware of it. You've got to realise that all the thoughts that come into your mind are not all from you. If they start to put that twinge of, oh my gosh, in you, it's a demonic. You've just heard from a demon and it's speaking to you. I don't care if it comes from anyone. You know, the enemy can use, he used Peter's mouth to speak to Jesus. If it produces that fear in you, you've just been hit by a fiery dart from hell. And you've got to stand against that roar. All right? Because any thought that does not inspire hope is demonic. It really is. And we've got to wake up and realise that, you know, the, the lion roaring at you has actually no authority. Scripturally, no authority. The lion has no authority. Right? Galatians 2.15 makes that really clear. Jesus disarmed principalities and powers, made a public spectacle, triumphed over what? Them all. Triumphed over all of them, every single one of them. Then he delegated his authority to us. We're told in Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. Jesus now, the vehicle through which he will operate is us, his church. He operates through us, through what we say, through what we do, through what we declare. The Holy Spirit is released. So the enemy cannot control you without your cooperation. He cannot. He is roaring lion. He is trying to get your authority to do what he wants to do in your life. So he's trying to get you to agree with him in the lie. Agree with him that, yeah, your finances are hopeless and you are going to lose your house. Are you going to agree with that or are you going to stand on the word of God? What are you going to agree with? What are you going to stand against? Because it's critical now that we stand up and say, no, I am not agreeing with the demonic anymore because it empowers him to actually do what he wants to do. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And the demonic knows that scripture better than we do. So what does he target? As he thinks, as you think. He bombards you with every single lie that he thinks that you might grab. Every single lie. You're finished. It's over. You're not going to pass that exam. What do you mean getting to medicine? Are you crazy? You know, you've got cancer. Your life's finished. You've got this incurable disease, whatever. He's trying to get you to agree. But I think it's time for us to say no agreement. No agreement. Because if we meditate on these lies, then he, will, he actually can build a fortress in your mind. He can actually build a fortress. And, and this is where we've got to start to realise, no, I'm not going to meditate. Now, what does that mean? And I gave the example in the first service. So let me just ask you, and I want you to be really honest. Have you ever been one in, the, in the night, you know, just overwhelmed with an issue and you're just thinking about it over and over and over again? You're thinking about how to fix it, how to change it, what you need to do. You know, you, you wake up at night, you're thinking about it at night, you just cannot stop thinking about it for a period of time. How many of us in this room have had that? The rest of you are not being honest. <laughs> right. You know what that is? That's meditating. So we can all actually meditate. All of us can meditate. But what are we going to meditate on? What are you going to meditate on? Are you going to try and meditate on trying to fix the problem? You can't. You can't. One word from the Holy Spirit will give you the solution that you need. All right? But you've got to meditate on the Word of God and certainly not meditate on the lies of the demonic. Because as I said, what it does, if you believe lies, it builds a fortress in your mind and then you have a demonic spirit of fear attached to you. But 
God's so faithful and he tells us in Corinthians exactly what we need to do to get rid of that stronghold in our mind. And we've all got pockets of it. You know, have you noticed you've got faith for certain things? You don't have any fear in certain areas. And then other areas over here, you know you do. Right? We've, it's, it's for all of us or most of us. But you know what? God has given us a key here in Scripture of exactly what we do and what we need to target to get rid of that stronghold. So firstly, before I get the Scripture put up, I want to read from 2 Corinthians 10.4 because it tells us that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They have divine power to what? Demolish strongholds. Demolish whatever that thinking is in your mind that has caused the demonic to be able to grab hold of it and cause it to come to pass. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation because this is what you've got to target, right? This is what you've got to target if you do not want to live in fear. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and breaks through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Now, I want to go through that again. I want you to get this. If you struggle with fear then you've got to pull down a stronghold in your mind. This is what you've got to target. Deceptive fantasies. Every attitude that goes against what God says and taking every thought captive. So let's talk about deceptive fantasies. Now, you think, you know, someone you love and they're late home from work and it gets later and later and they don't get home. And then the enemy just drops this into you, they've had a car accident. And you start imagining, you know, firstly you think, no, no, no. But then another hour goes by. They've had a car accident. And you start to get panicky. You start to believe that. And then you start to ring the hospitals or you start to ring people. Right? Is there any evidence that they've had a car accident? No. What is it? It's a deceptive fantasy. It's actually to create fear in you. That's what it's there for. And if we do this, and we do this all the time, worst case scenarios, we build up in our mind the worst case scenario. And the the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, you're giving the enemy every opportunity he wants. Say no. Start to pray. No, I know my husband, my wife, my boyfriend, you know, whatever. I know they're safe, Lord. I thank you that they're under the blood. Right now, I thank you. I release protection for them. I thank you that they're going to come home safe, whatever. You cannot live in response to fear, right? And Can I just say, I felt the Holy Spirit also give me this example, you know, from, you all know, or many of you that have been in church will know the story of Elijah. Elijah was an amazing man. He single-handedly went up before the prophets of Baal, right? One man, right? There's 400 of them, prophets, and there's also another 400 of Asherah. So he's going against all of these, one man. Do you think this is a fearful guy? No, he calls down fire from heaven. Do you think he is fearful? Yes, no, no, no. All right, what happens later on, right? Later on, he actually gets a message from, a queen, from the queen that he actually stood against, spoke against, no fear then, but he gets a message from Jezebel. Right, And she says, so may the gods do to me if I do not by tomorrow take you out, have your life, right? This is what the word says. It says, and when he saw that, saw that, very interesting word, he arose and fled for his life. The word saw there is the word ra, and it means to inspect, to perceive, to consider, to meditate, to give attention to. He suddenly started to meditate on what she said. And what happens is a spirit of fear, irrational fear, grabs hold of him to the point where he says to God, take my life, just kill me. Like, I've done no good, I'm hopeless, you know, nothing's working, you know, and he ran for his life in fear of her. Why? Because a spirit grabbed him when he started to see and create this fantasy of what she was going to do. 
We cannot give in to these thoughts. You've got to stand against them. And sometimes I've been in my lounge room where I have been screaming louder than the demonic coming against me. I've literally been saying, no agreement, no agreement. I'm not agreeing with you. You're a liar. I declare that my daughter's going to be blessed. I declare that our finances are going to be blessed, whatever it is, until that thing leaves me. That's how real it is. And I want you to understand it. You know, the Scripture, another Scripture that is we know so well, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you because he trusts in you. What that actually means, that the true translation is this. You will keep in perfect peace those whose imagination is set on what God wants to show them. That's the actual translation in the Greek. You will give, keep in perfect peace those whose imagination is focused and set on what God wants to show them. You know, in 1 Peter 5, 8 that I started off, that scripture, it says, be sober, vigilant and alert. The enemy prowls around. That word sober means void of speculative imagination. You cannot allow the enemy to paint pictures on your mind, right? You've been given an imagination for God to show you prophetically what he wants you to do, what he actually wants to do in your life, what he wants to do in your family's life. And he will do that if you ask him. But some of us have got to cleanse that. We've got to pray and ask for the blood of Jesus to cleanse our imagination from all the rubbish and all the vain speculations and all the the wrong thoughts that we've had that are exactly diametrically opposed to everything that God has actually said about us, about our family and what He says in the Word. Right, we've got to realise that this Word, God puts His Word, it says in the Scripture, above His name. Now stop for a minute and think about that. The name of Jesus, the name that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. His Word says He puts His Word above His name. This word is powerful. It has the power to change every situation in your life. But you've got to believe it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to speak it out. And you've got to shut that roaring line down. You've got to shut it down. Because every unhealthy fear is based on a lie. Every single fear that you have is based on a lie, either a lie about God, a lie about you, but it's directly opposed to the Word of God. And I say to people all the time, you know, numbers of those lies were planted in you when you were either very young, where you're having it, you know, in a traumatic situation, before you were saved, or a very vulnerable time in your life. But that's not you anymore. Right? That's not you. You now have a Father in heaven who loves you. But you've got to dig up those lies. You've got to dig them out and root them up out of your life. Otherwise, your life is based on lies. Your foundational basis is lies. And I often say to people when I'm seeing them one-on-one, okay, let's be real. I want you to stop. I want you to get a piece of paper and write down everything that you truly believe about you. Right, that you really believe about you. Write it down. And if you can find a scripture and verse for that, great, it can stay. But if you can't, you better get rid of it because that's a lie from hell. And you're saying it's a lofty thought that's exalting itself above what God is saying. Get rid of it. What about God? I say, write down what you truly think about God, not what you're supposed to think, not what we you know, declare what you really, really believe in your heart, right? Because some of us believe that he's got favourites and you're not one of them. Well, if you believe that lie, that's a lofty thought. That's a lie. That means how can you dare to believe that he's going to come through for you? You see, you've got to get rid of these lies. And, you know, it tells us in, in Proverbs 23, it says, buy the truth and sell it not. And I preach this over and over. You know, and the thing is that your salvation is free. It's a free gift. But you've got to pay a price for truth. You've got to dig up those lies and say, go to hell, Satan. I'm not going to believe that anymore. That is not going to be the basis of my life. But if you're struggling with a particular fear, can I challenge you to ask this question? What is the lie that I believe? 
What is the lie that I believe? When did it start? Right? Can I give you a personal example from my own life? Actually, I'll give you two. But when I was at uni, I could not speak. I was absolutely paralysed with fear of public speaking, of any speaking. Like in a tutorial or anything, I just couldn't open my mouth. And you had to do presentations. I couldn't do it. I just could not do it. I'd break out in a sweat. I might have heart palpitation. I could not do it. But I got hold of this revelation and I asked the Holy Spirit, what is the lie? What is the lie that I'm believing? What, what is the lie? And he spoke to me these words. The lie is if you're silent, you'll be safe. If you're silent, you'll be safe. You won't be exposed. And then he took me back to, you know, I had an abused past. When I was a kid, at seven, I was severely sexually abused, not by a family member but by a neighbour and went on for months and the guy went to jail and all the rest. But from then on, I made a vow you know, and I believed this lie that if I was silent and I was unseen, I would be safe. But if I spoke and I was exposed, you know, I'd be exposed and I wouldn't be safe. So in my bedroom, I just prayed and I just repented. I said, Lord, I repent of believing the lie that, that um, if I'm silent, that I am safe. I repent of believing the lie that you won't protect me, that you can't keep me safe. And then he asked me to forgive my abuser, which I did. And a teacher that um, had ridiculed me when I was very young, when I did speak. And I can tell you now, what am I doing to you now? What am I doing? I am speaking, right? That left me. That thing broke off me. It completely broke off me. This stuff is real and it works. It works because it's real and there's real power there. You know, and the same example I had of my eldest daughter when she was a really rebellious teenager. You know, she was another level. But I had this fear and it gripped me round the throat that she would end up in the, go, you end up on the streets as a prostitute or a cool girl or something like that. Was there any evidence of that? No, it was just evidence of her rebellion. But it had gone to another level because I'd listened to the roar of the lion. And then what happens is if you listen to that roar, you see, you can conceive it. The, the other word that is tied in the Greek to the word of our imagination is conception. It's where we can conceive things. Either partner with the Holy Spirit to conceive what he wants to do in your life or partner with hell itself to conceive the demonic plan. That's why it says, behold, your fears will come upon you. How? Because you partner and conceive it in your mind. This is what's going to happen. So she came home one night, my daughter, and she just flung this card at me and it was a card of um, an escort agency. She said, oh, someone gave me this. And then I realised finally the enemy has overplayed his hand and I recognised this is a demonic thing. You know, so I went to war at that point. I repented of believing all these lies and I had to wrestle. It wasn't like a five-minute prayer. I wrestled. I commanded that thing. I said, no agreement. You know, I got out the prophecies over her life. I read them out loud. I declared them. My husband and I agreed. We kept declaring them and speaking the word over her life. Do you know what she does now? She's a on a ministry team, a pastoral team, works for a church up in Queensland. And she just told me, in fact, I went out with them. She now takes 20 or 30 people out and they hit all the brothels in the Gold Coast and she's got four of the girls on her team. Four of the ex-prostitutes are on her team. You see, and it's the same with me. The enemy tries to touch what is your destiny. What was my destiny to speak? That's why he tried to make me silent. What was her destiny? To rescue these girls from the brothels. So we do understand it's time to fight. It's time to fight. Your destiny's at stake here. You've got to pick up and say, no, I'm not listening to that roar any further. No more. It's over. It finishes. It finishes. You know, and the other thing I want to say before, because I wanted a simple exercise for us to do together. But forgiveness, the word in Matthew 18, 35 says, when you forgive, you send away the tormentor. 
Do you understand unforgiveness, that parable that, that Jesus uses to explain the power of forgiveness and unforgiveness is that you're handed over to the tormentor. What is fear? Absolute torment, is it not? Torment. So the two questions you ask, or three, if you're struggling with fear, what is the lie that I believe? What is the lie I believe? Okay, when did this start and who do I need to forgive? If you would do that, you'll see phenomenal breakthrough. Phenomenal breakthrough, I promise you. But it's time now for us to get completely whole so you can come into the destiny for which God created you. Amen? Amen. All right, well, I want to do a simple exercise, but before I do... I want everyone to just bow their heads, just to give complete privacy to everyone in the room. Because I want to speak to those who, maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe someone invited you here, or maybe you've just tuned in online, um, but you don't really know Jesus, you know of Jesus, but you don't know him personally. You are not living for him. Maybe you at one stage made a commitment, but you know in your heart you're not living for Him. And you know what? You do not have to face fear alone. You don't have to do it. The most given promise was what? I am with you and He wants to be with you. So if you have never given your life to Jesus or you once did, but you want to recommit today, he wants to come and live in your heart. He wants to come and put the power of the Holy Spirit within you so you can overcome every obstacle, everything that comes against you. He wants to give you the strength you need in every situation you face. So if you're sick of doing life on your own, if you're just sick and tired of it, you're like, no, nah, that's it. With every eye bowed, Every, every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you, and this is not me asking you, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Do you need to recommit your life or to give your life to Christ tonight? Whether you're online, whether you're in this room, can you just put up your hand quietly so I can pray for you? So I can pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. You can put your hands down. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? If your heart is pounding, remember what I said. Run to the roar. Do it. Put your hand up. The Holy Spirit will come in and He will claim you and you will never be the same again. I just want to wait a couple more moments. But if you fear, yes, God bless you. I see that hand up the back. You can put it down. Yeah. Anyone else? Is there anyone else? Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss because the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with power. Power. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Praise God. Thank you. You are worth waiting for. You are so worth it. Is there anyone else? Run to the roar. Run. Run to the roar. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. Well, whether you're online and whether you're here, we're going to pray this together. And if you mean this from the bottom of your heart, you are forever changed. Your old life dies. It dies. That's it. It's cut off. You are a brand new creation from this prayer. From the moment you pray this prayer, the Holy Spirit comes in and lives within you. You are never alone again. So let's pray together, okay? Father God, can we all say this together? Because these beautiful people that have given their life over to Christ, they're now in our family. They're about to be. So let's all say it together, okay? Father God, I confess that I've done life my way and I turn from that today. I believe that you died and that you rose again and paid the price so that I could have a life with you, free and clean from all my sin. Come into my heart and be my Lord 
and my Saviour and my very best friend. And I declare, all things have passed away. I am a new creation. I am filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I will live a life that brings honour and glory to you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, before we do this very simple exercise, and I want you all to do it, especially those of you online, right? Remember, we started praying and we asked the Holy Spirit to look into our heart. So I want you to stop and I want you to just do this exercise because now it's time for the Holy Spirit to speak personally to you. Okay, I want to look at this scripture in 2 Timothy 1.12. This sets us up for this exercise. And I want to read it to you from the Passion Translation. I have an intimate revelation of this God and my faith in Him convinces me that He is more than able to keep all that I've placed in His hands safe and secure until the fullness of His appearing. Can I just read that again? Let it sink. Let the Word do its work in our heart. I have an intimate relationship with this God and my faith in Him convinces me that He is more than able to keep all that I've placed in His hands safe and secure until the fullness of His appearing. Now, keep means protect, guard, that it will remain safe, nurture and keep from being snatched away. So my God is saying I'm more than able to keep, guard and protect everything that you give me, everything that you commit to me, right? But He can only keep, guard and protect that which has been committed to Him. And maybe you've committed things in certain areas of your life 90%, but that other 10% gives the enemy all he needs because it's not covered. It's not in Jesus' hands. It's in yours and the enemy can have a field day with that 10%. So what I want us to do, right, with every eye closed, with every eye closed, this is an intimate time with you and the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to speak into our hearts. We're going to ask you these questions. I'm going to ask you this as I go through and look at each of these areas. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, have I really, have I really committed 100% of this to you? Or am I holding on to anything? Now, you know if you're holding on to some of it because there'll be a niggling feeling. So then I just want you to pray, Lord, I give you the 100%. Help me, help me, I give it to you. Some of you will feel complete freedom. Others of you will have to do this at home a few times. But let's just pray now. Holy Spirit, I bring to you finances. Lord, I want you to pray. I want you to speak to everyone. And ask the Holy Spirit, if I, if I committed 100% of my finances to you, or 90 or 80, have you got 100%? Lord, I, I confess it's all yours, Jesus. I'm committing 100%. 100%. to you. What about your health? Have you committed 100% of your health and the health of your family and others that you love to the Lord? Has he got that completely? Have you committed 100%? If not, give him 100%. If there's a nickel in your heart and you think maybe it's 80%, maybe it's 95%, say, Lord, take 100%. It's all yours. I, I trust you. I commit it to you. What about your marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend? Has he got 100% of that relationship? 
not 95, not 50, 100% has He got it all. If not, I want you to commit, Lord, I repent. I give you 100%. Help me, Lord, 100%. I want it all, not 99, 100%. What about your kids? Have you committed your children 100% into the Lord's hands that He can do whatever He wants with them? He can send them anywhere. You trust Him in every situation they're in because you've committed them not 90%, 95%, your kids are 100% committed. What about your job and your future of your job? Have you committed it 100% to the Lord? 100% Lord, whatever you want, this job is yours, 100% for you to do whatever you want. I know I'm secure and safe because You are faithful. What about your future? Every aspect of your future. Have you committed that? A hundred percent. Lord, whatever you want to do with me and my family, wherever you want to send us, whatever you want me to do, whatever it looks like, wherever I need to go, whatever I need to lay down, whatever I need to sell, whatever I need to give up, I give you my future. A hundred percent. 100% Lord, take it all. I'm giving it to you. I'm handing it all over. What about your appearance? Your weight? Everything about your appearance. All the exercise and all of that stuff, all of it. It's 100% yours, Lord. 100%. I only want to do what you're telling me to do. 100% committed to you in everything I do with my body. 100%. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving control over to you. What about ministry? Every aspect of ministry, current ministry or what you dream of, 100% yours, Lord. Not mine, 100% yours. Holy Spirit, we so desperately need you. But we thank you, Father, that your word has said that my faith in you convinces me that you are more than able to keep, guard, nurture and keep from being snatched away all that I've placed in your hands, safe and secure. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Lord, those things that we know, we've still got a few percentages to hand over to you, I pray, Lord that we will keep committing to you. Every day we will hand over everything to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.